I want to welcome a special guest here in the studio. I have all the way from New South Wales for today's Anzac special edition. He's travelled down just for the show. Barry Gracie from the Pozier Remembrance Association. Welcome to 3MDR and Wama Gemma Cafe Barry. Thank you, Shep. It's good to be here, and uh, I hate to correct you right from the word go, but I'm from Coffs Harbour. Coffs Harbour. Uh, no, no one actually likes to live in Sydney. <laughs> You've travelled a long way. Thank you. Now we're really pleased to have you in here. Anzac Day for me is always a big one. Uh, uh, as we're going to talk about a little bit later about, about the support I've been able to get, it, it's quite amazing really that the one place in Australia that actually commemorates these men each year, uh, believe it or not, is the Melbourne Storm Football Club. And I'm going as a guest of the club to the Anzac Day match uh, this year, and uh, I'm going to quite enjoy myself in the corporate box. Fantastic, yes. And it's, it's great that Melbourne Storm have got a board and uh, a lot of the players as well. It's not just the club as a, as a standout, but the players as well. Oh, the, the, the whole club has a complete family atmosphere, and um, Ryan Hoffman, for example, uh, he actually lost a relative at Pozier. Right. Uh, so... Um, and it's just like many Australians uh, have lost men at, at places like Pozier and that, uh, but he, he still remembers and he actually took the opportunity a few years ago to go, to go visit the village. So it was good. Yeah. And was it a couple of years ago, I should say, welcome back to 3MDR because I, I think you were uh, interviewed at the uh, local branch here, Upway uh, RSL, by a couple of boys uh, on Anzac Day. Or was it, it might have been. Two years ago. Two years ago, three years ago. And yeah. yeah. I had a great time at the, the, um, the people out around this area. They, they're just genuine true blues. Uh, you go to a lot of the big RSLs and everything like that, and uh, everybody's in their jackets, their ties, and uh, they, they've got their poker machines and everything going. But out here, you know, the guys are just salt of the earth. They, they, they were really supportive. And uh, I actually brought back a bayonet, uh, which was recovered from the fields of Pozier. Uh, to give to the organised the RSL, and it's actually in their museum there for anybody that wants to go to their museum and have a look. Yeah, well, I think they should. Yeah. Now, was it also Essendon? Did they show some interest at one yeah. stage? E Essendon uh, was one of the clubs that actually lost players uh, at Pozier. Uh, they had two players killed. Uh, all in all, there was 26 AFL players actually died in the battle that I've been able to determine. And they come from all all of the clubs, but uh, Essendon uh, was very welcoming to me when I went to visit them, and it's it it really is indicative of the kind of men that we actually lost in that battle. You know, the cream of our footballers from both rugby, Aussie rules, soccer, uh, they just changed the game for us. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to talk more about Pozier, and, and we're going to educate uh, uh, listeners to the Battle of Pozier because. Uh, it's not that well known. It's getting better known, but for some reason, politicians and uh, some members of the public as well haven't quite got on board yet. And uh, we hopefully, I'm sure Barry, hopefully, will will get across to a few more people and get a bit more support. Yeah, I think that's mainly what I'm all about. Is um, I'm very frustrated about the fact that seven thousand men can just sort of vanish um, and just not be known by Australia and it's not the fault of the average Australian they've not never been commemorated in Australia with one exception which obviously the Melbourne Storm and also the state of Victoria who commemorated them for the centenary yep. but no one else in Australia commemorated them on the centenary Yes. Uh, yep. this was the only state that did it Melbourne Storm is the only state that, uh, the only team that consistently commemorates these guys 
and it's not taught in our schools. So how does the average person know about a yeah. battle which is not brought to their recognition? Yeah, and, and we'll talk more about that too because the uh, federal government were, uh, through the 1914 to 1918, the different battles were celebrating the centenary of different battles and for some reason Pozier missed out. Yeah, uh, 2016 should have been the centenary of Pozier, but for whatever reason the government uh, made it the 50th anniversary of Longtan, uh, which they then again commemorated in August. You know, every man that serves for his country and dies for his country is is worthy yep. of all the recognition. Yep. But that would have been the opportunity to actually tell Australia about these men yep. for the first time ever, and I thought, think it's a big opportunity we missed. For sure. My special guest in the studio is Barry Gracie from the Pozier Remembrance Association. Uh, if you've just tuned in and you're listening to Wema Gemma Cafe, of course. And Barry, really what I'd like you to do now is outline to the listeners the greatest story never told. To actually start with the story of Pozier, you've really got to understand where the troops came from. After the troops left uh, Gallipoli, which had been a, a disaster for us, we had 7,642 men killed by enemy action and 640 died of illness in those 10 months. They were sent to France and reorganised with half the experienced troops staying with the battalion and half them going to another battalion or a newly formed battalion to provide experience and the other men were made up from reinforcements that came out of Australia. They went up with four divisions, the 1st, 2nd, 4th and 5th. The 5th Division went on to Frommel and everybody knows what happened at Frommel and how many men we lost and the fact that we could recover some of the bodies and DNA tests, etc. So everyone knows that. But no one ever seems to ask the question, where did the other three divisions go? The other three divisions uh, were, were thrown into a battle, as you said, at Pozier. Pozier was the high point in the Battle of Somme. It was on the main road to the north. It was on the rail line to the north. It was one of those sites where the Commonwealth forces had to take it and the Germans had to hold it. If they didn't hold it, it meant we could get in behind their, their lines through Mouquet Farm to Teepvale and the whole of the, the Battle of the Sun would have fallen over. The Brits tried to take it for uh, just on two and a half weeks and it cost them 15,000 men killed. On the 23rd of July, the Australians were given the job and we attacked it uh, up past midnight following a two-minute artillery barrage. We took the village, but unfortunately we pushed a bulge in the lines. And a bulge in the lines means you've got lots of Germans surrounding you on three sides and you're supported by your forces on the other side. To understand the loss of Pozier, you really only need to understand what happened to the 1st Division. The Germans were shelling on all three sides from them, which were covered by the Commonwealth, but the Commonwealth didn't help because they fired 66,000 rounds of artillery into the village in the first three days. That's 22,000 rounds a day coming down on top of you from your own side. Mm. Uh, and uh, the 1st Division was wiped out in three days, losing 5,300 men killed or wounded. They were replaced by the 2nd Division, who kept fighting up the main road and that towards the windmill site through the old German lines 1 and 2. They lost 7,200 men killed or wounded in 12 days before they were taken out of the battle. The 4th Division got thrown in. They were destroyed. Because the 1st and 2nd had been remanned, the 1st got sent back. They were wiped out again. The 2nd got sent back, wiped out. The 4th got sent out and was wiped out. We were stopped 10 metres short of Mouquet Farm, which uh, is about one kilometre to the north of Pozier. Our losses for in that time were 7,000 men killed, 16,000 wounded in that six-week period. But the amount of uh, artillery that got the men meant that 4,112 of those men were never found or identified after the battle. 
So what we have now is we've got a little French village of 240 people still, but yet there's 4,112 of our men still missing those fields somewhere. We were awarded five Victoria Crosses and that really sums up the scope of Australia because one came from Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia and Western Australia. This was actually the first place where shell shock was actually identified mm. as an illness. Until then, it was always considered to be cowardice. But with the amount of men that came out of the Battle of Pozieres and the condition that they were, uh, they suddenly realised it was actually a medical condition and it was caused by the repetitive artillery and stress. So uh, that may be a good thing, but it definitely wasn't a good thing for the men that were involved in it at the time. Yeah. It was a horrendous battle. Um, you know, people say that, you know, we... We got thrown away and everything like that. But when you consider the losses that the Brits were facing, um, they, they faced a lot more than us, and we actually did do the job. Whereas for Gallipoli was really a failure for us. Fromel was a failure. The one thing that uh, I've never understood is why our first major success in World War One mm. has been forgotten, and that was Pozier, Yep. Uh, where we actually took and held one square kilometre, which... It was magnificent when you look at the t the amount of ground being taken in the Battle of the Somme. Uh, just to butt in there, uh, Barry, there, I don't know, I read somewhere, it might have been uh, Peter Fitzsimons in, in his book, there's something about that to understand the trench warfare and how much ground... Like the real battle happened of, of the Great War was the, the battle on the Western Front. Correct, yes. And really... I've heard it said, and again, I don't want to belittle Gallipoli, which you can sort of get into the habit here, but with my frustration with Pozier not being remembered the way it should be and those men remembered, was a, in some respects a sideshow to the, what the real war was about and, and fighting the Germans on the Western Front. And he said something like, to gain a yard you on the Western Front, just one yard... You lost, was it 100 men or something? Yeah, it, it, it's a phenomenal figure. Um, Gallipoli was really a, uh, a disaster in a lot of ways. Uh, in a, it, it was something we should never have done. When they realised we were on the wrong beaches, we should have been taken off again straight away and those men could have been saved. Uh, but to maintain it and go on and hold, have it as a complete campaign, because Gallipoli, everybody just thinks of it as being a battle, but... Anything that goes over 10 months like that is actually a campaign. Yep. It's a series of battles over a period of time. You're not constantly, you know, having everything happen to you. There was times when the guys could get down to the beaches and stuff like this. Yep. Uh, and yet the fact that we managed to actually get so far up the beach, we managed to hold it, and we managed our fighting retreat has imprinted itself on the Australian mind as the image of what we thought Australian soldiers could be. The horror was what they faced when they got to the Western Front. Mm. Uh, when you could live in the, the weather that they were producing at the Western Front in that time, uh, for example, 2016 was the coldest, wettest uh, summer on record in France. And there was guys suffering from trench foot in that. Yeah, uh, with the amount of bodies that had been torn apart, they were living in the trenches with you know the bodies and everything imprinted in the mud around them. Uh, you had poison gas drifting across the battlefield, so... You, you, your hole would fill up with poison gas and you have your choice, you know, even with your gas mask on, go out in the shell fire and we know what numbers they were from the Australian, what the Australians were firing mm. or get back down in your trench with the poison gas. Mm. Uh, you spend all your time digging your mates out of the mud and, uh, you know, hauling out, you know, there are, I've seen stories about blokes that were hauling on, on an arm to get them out of it 
the dirt net after shell fire and it was just the arm lift. Yeah. Uh, it was actually horrendous. There's a guy called uh, Lieutenant Roars. If you ever get to read the stuff that Lieutenant Roars wrote, uh, it's heartrending stuff. Uh, he, he survived for 12 days at Pozier and the letters that he wrote home uh, are actually very heartrending. Uh, he described the conditions of what it was like and... Uh, it was none of this what you would see on TV today as, as war. It was just hell on earth. And the men never got a break from that. Uh, the artillery just didn't stop while they were in the battle. Yeah. And Charles Bean, uh, the historian, the war historian, was it one in eight men died at Pozier? It was. Uh, yeah, yeah, correct. The actual figures are it's uh, one in eight of every man that died in World War I died at Pozier. Pozier yeah. One in 12 of every man that's ever died for Australia died at Pozier. Mm. And yet this battle has been forgotten. Yeah. Uh, and what did he say? Most uh, sacrifice? Uh, what was yeah, the, quote, he he described the Pozier Ridge as the one place, uh, Pozier Ridge being the one place that's most deeply sown Australian sacrifice uh, because of the artillery, the Pozier Ridge held uh, OG2, which was a heavily reinforced German trench, to be able to take the windmill, which is on the high ground, you had to get through OG1. Then you had to fight your way through OG2. Then you had to fight your way up under the ridge. And that was before you started to actually turn towards Mouquet Farm. So that area there was just devastated by the artillery. Um, there is actually only a couple of bricks left of the windmill uh, right down the bottom, and that's never been uh, rebuilt or anything like that. And if you actually go and stand there, uh, you actually have no indication of it being a ridge at all unless you're actually standing on where the bricks are. The ridge basically has been levelled. Yeah. And it's all uh, was farming land. Yeah. And that's the piece of land that Charles Bean described as the one place on earth most densely sown, etc. Sort of the, the real battle started that once they'd captured it, the Germans weren't really happy about that. And that's when it really... Uh, the Germans couldn't afford to let them keep it because yep. the problem is, as we said, you know, if they could get to Mouquet Farm, they were in behind the German lines. If they cut the Germans' resupply lines, which were leading towards Tiefvale, that meant that the whole of the battle line of the Somme battle would have had to have fallen back. Mm. So the Germans actually wanted to hold it there. They'd been in those positions for a year and a half. So they had heavily reinforced positions all along the Somme battlefield uh, and they wanted to keep it. Uh, the problem is, as Pozier gave you access through a back door, and obviously they wanted to lock the back door, whereas we wanted to kick it down. Yeah, yeah. So was it six weeks, the Pozier battle, roughly? Yep. 23rd of July they went into the battle, and uh, they were, the last of the 4th Division was withdrawn on the 3rd of September, and the reason given for the withdrawal was the fact that there was no longer enough Australians left to fight. Mm-hmm. The three divisions had been effectively destroyed twice. Uh, so that would be 50,000 men have gone into that battle at least. Uh, and you know the numbers, 7,000, 7, 16,000. But again, it's not the true numbers. You read the stories of a lot of the guys that came back, you know, after yeah. shell-shocked and yep. um, they walked back into a depression and basically, you know, they, they were gone men. Yep. We might just play, have a bit of a break, so wet the whistle and uh, get back to talking a bit more about it and I'm going to play a little track by uh, Geordie Lane and uh, again a bit like myself found out a bit of history about one of his grandparents or an uncle or something and uh, well let's have a listen to the song and he'll tell you all about it.
song called Frederick Steele McNeil Ferguson and uh, you're listening to Oama Jamma Cafe and uh, we're on air off the mast on 97.1 FM and we're online streaming to all points and curves of the globe on 3mdr.com and uh, we're probably broadcasting over there in France somewhere off that and uh, in the studio with the old Shep Dog himself is Barry Gracie from Posier Remembrance Association and uh, we've been chatting away about Posier and the battle over in Posier. I uh, have a... I'll read out a couple of things I've got here on a sheet of paper I had and certainly Barry can correct me if I'm wrong. It's the greatest story never told. 23rd of July to the 9th of September 1916 is the Battle of Posier. 3rd of September. Yep. C.W. Bean said Pozier was more densely sown with Australian sacrifice than any other place on earth. Part of the Battle of the Somme and it was a victory for the Allies and mostly Australians. Only Australians. uh, The only two countries that actually fought in the battle was Germany and Australia. Right. And many of you saying, why haven't we heard of Pozier? Well, that's what we've been saying for a while, and Barry even longer than myself. There were 6,800 killed, 15,000 wounded in about six weeks of the battle. Six weeks, yes. 4,112 never found or identified. After the battle, correct. And there's been a few since? There's been three since, uh, but again, still not identified, so they're still actually within that category. Uh, They don't DNA test them in a Pozier like they do for Mel. Uh, because with three divisions in there, it's just too difficult. Uh, the, the cost to the government of trying to run DNA over that many men uh, would be totally prohibitive. Uh, and in some ways, we, we believe that that's the right solution uh, in that they all died together. Yep. Uh, that man could be anybody's man, and they should all be shown the respect together uh, that everybody gets. And uh, we're perfectly happy that those men have just been laid to rest as unknown Australian soldiers. Amen. Uh, one in eight men who died in World War One died at Pozier. Correct. Probably just to compare it to Gallipoli, which everyone knows about uh, and is well remembered and well honoured and very brave, the, the men that went there. Uh, uh, 8,000 were killed. It, the, the way I did it when I did my research was 7,642 men were killed by enemy action. Yep. 640 died of illness like typhoid oh, right. and all the rest of it. So that's where the whole figure of 8,000 comes from. Yep. 
but the uh, the figures for comparison that I wanted to use was the actual men killed by enemy action. Yes. So you've got your 7,642 in the 10-month campaign at Gallipoli. Compared to Compared six. to 6,814 in the six weeks at Pozier, Yeah. with most of those guys being Gallipoli survivors. Yeah. And and a key victory in the, in the Battle of the Somme. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. It, it was totally important at that stage of the war that uh, we pushed the Germans back as far as possible. Unfortunately, we couldn't hold all that ground eventually, and the, the Germans came back down to Emil. Yeah. But at that stage, it, uh, it sure did let the Germans know it wasn't all going to be their way. Uh, once the colonial troops had come out, and the Scottish, and uh, they, they knew that they were in for a fight from then on. All right, now let's, let, let's look at the support you've had, and we talked briefly about it at the start, uh, the support you've had, and perhaps some of the support you haven't had yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I am, you know, I'm, I'm horribly frustrated, but I'm also slightly amused about um, the way this has worked out. I wrote to over 600 major Australian companies and managed to get support from one, uh, which is Suzuki, a Japanese company. Uh, the, the only people that commemorate these men every year and have for the last five years, as, as we said earlier, was the Melbourne Storm Football Club. Mm. And you know, this piece of land that we're trying to protect. Um, it, it, it's, there should be more done to do that rather than a 64-year-old man living in a Suzuki Grand Vitara driving around the country sleeping in the back of it trying to talk to people. Uh, it's, you know, I look at all these organisations that are out there, you know, like the RSL and like the government, everybody, and they, they all make a big deal about Anzac Day, and, and, and so they should, you know. Mm. We have that attitude of looking after our fallen, looking after our men that come back and that are not in good condition, looking after our men that just come back uh, because they deserve our, our respect and everything. But for some reason, these guys have just really fallen off the, the grid. And, you know, people say to me, how does it happen? And I, I just don't know. The only thing I can think of is that General Monash wasn't at Pozier. And it seems to be that most of the battles we commemorate all involve General Monash in some way or other, as if General Monash has become the epitome yeah. of the fighting troops rather than the individual soldier that was actually down there in the mud and the blood yep. uh, with his mates. Charles Henry Shepherd. Yeah. yeah. The, um, you know, the, the, if you, you think about the major battles we did commemorate, Gallipoli, Frommel, Bullecourt, Ypres up in Belgium, Villa Bretna. Yep. General Monash was at all of those. Look at the, the major battles, and I mean, there's a lot of battles around the place, but if you look at the major battles that uh, we don't commemorate, it's really only Pozier. Mm. And Monash wasn't there. Yeah, the new interpretive centre at Villa Breton is called the Monash Interpretive Centre. So, it looks like Canberra is uh, still got this thing going for General Monash, and I know Victoria has because uh, it's very difficult if you don't have a GPS to find your way around. And even with a GPS, it's no good because you start to type in Monash, and you get an encyclopedia full of entries <laughs> as to which destination you actually want. But uh, the, this land around the windmill site come up uh, for sale. Uh, four years ago and it was offered to the Australian government uh, to protect the men in it. This is the land that Charles Bean described so aptly. Yep. And for whatever reason, uh, and I believe it's because their focus for the centenary of the Anzac was Villa Bretna, they declined. Now, we took over the job of doing it and um, I didn't think it would be a problem. I, th I really thought that I could knock this off, raise the, the necessary money in about two weeks. I thought about the way Australians feel about our fallen. I thought about the fact that there's 1,500 RSL sub-branches Australia-wide. There's 250,000 ex-service members. There's 55,000 current service members. 
And any Anzac Day, you will always find that the public is there for our men. The problem occurred in that even in the centenary, as I said, it, it wasn't commemorated in no. Australia except in Victoria. When you looked at the papers and that, no one wrote a story about Pozier. Uh, the only image I had of Pozier was on the last day of Parliament in 2015, the government said they'd have to restrict the numbers going. Then I never heard a thing about it again. I actually wrote to them and said, look, don't tell them what I'm doing. Just tell the story of my men. You know, They deserve the recognition. And it appears that no one in Australia did. Um, so that's where you get the situation of, you know, you can't get support from people if people don't know the battle has happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for some reason, um, even the RSLs turned their backs on these men, except for, I mean, the best performer of the RSLs is definitely RSL Victoria. And, I mean, even then, it's mainly a lot of the smaller ones, like the Upway Belgraves and the Mount Evelyns. And, and Pakenham, I saw, yeah, which is part of the listening yeah, broadcasting it, area. Yep. All, all the uh, the little clubs where, you know, the, the, the spirit is really still there, and they actually mean it. They, have, they aren't losing it to the poker machines and the, the glitter and the, and the big clubs. So it, it become very frustrating. Out of out of the RSLs, it got even worse in that for some reason, Western Australia, Queensland and New South Wales barred any sub-branch supporting us and not one of them has ever given us a reason why. And I don't can't understand how that could have occurred when one of the principles of the RSL is to commemorate the fallen and protect them. Yep. And also to speak up to the government if something is happening or not happening that should be getting recognised. It appears that nobody did that, uh, and nobody really wants to. So we've basically been struggling out there on our own, and uh, I've done 140,000 kilometres in the last uh, year and a half. Uh, crashed one car and written it off, uh, but I'm still going. You're we'll, going. We'll get there. Yeah. Now, well, let's let's get on to, to what you're trying to do over there to pledge their support, and you can go online, Barry, to... posierremembered.com.au. And you can buy a... Brick. You can buy a brick, you can make a donation. If you'd like to know more, we can be reached on uh, Pozier1916, that's P-O-Z-I-E-R-E-S-1916 at bigpond.com. And so you, you can go online and do that and uh, uh, buy a brick. Uh, I bought a brick for my uh, grandfather and uh, we're trying 7,000 bricks, was it? Yeah, I said I had to sell 7,000 bricks at $50 a brick because I figured... Oh, 24 million people in Australia, surely I have to be able to sell 7,000 fairly simply. I'm up to 3,900 and I think 50 at the moment uh, because no one's heard of this. No one's heard of me. You know, what, we're just uh, com common Joe Blows. Uh, we don't have big names which attract uh, Mr Packer and all the rest of those guys around us. Uh, so um, it's been hard because a lot of people don't, know about the battle and you, know, you say that 7,000 men died and people look at you as if you're strange because they they believe that you know 7,000 Australians had died in battle they wouldn't know about it yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it's been a very hard road to actually hoe but we'll get there we're getting the park open this year we've got Fantastic. a thousand roses going in uh, and all the brickwork around the rose gardens where the names of those people that have bought bricks will be actually on the the bricks surrounding all the rose the memorial rose gardens so we're off to a start. Uh, the main thing that that means, though, is the land is protected. Yes. And that was the prime reason for doing this, is that no one is ever going to dig our boys up again. Yep. They're going to rest in peace from now on. 
Yeah, and and also you got crosses over there for uh, was it uh, for, on the centenary? Yeah, for the centenary we actually put seven thousand crosses out in the fields, uh, shaped in the, the shape of the Australian Rising Sun uh, Slatehap badge. The reason we did that was because I can say to you, you know, seven thousand men died, and you could tell somebody else. Every one of us has got a different concept of seven thousand. It's very hard to have a different concept when you're standing in a field surrounded by little white crosses and they just go as far as you can see. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you, you really, really do get the feeling of the men once you do something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and also the, 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 French, the French and, and Pozier, the township and Pozier, are very supportive and... They are. Um, this, this is something that a lot of people don't understand. They keep quoting that uh, Never Forget Australia that's at the um, school in Villa Bretna. Well, that's always been at the school at Pozier as well. Mm-hmm. Um, for the first 99 years, um, the anniversaries have been going on at Pozier. Uh, they've been conducted by the people of the village only. Mm. Um, up until, correction, up to the 94th. Uh, now, I missed the 94th because they had a quadruple bypass and I found out they'd cancelled the commemoration. And when I said to the, I abused the mayor because they'd cancelled the commemoration, he said, well, the village just couldn't afford it anymore. And I said, well, doesn't the Australian government help you? Mm. And he said, no, never. So in 94 years, they had never received any support from the Australian government. No federal member of parliament had visited Pozier for an anniversary. No, the ambassador to France for Australia had never visited for an anniversary at Pozier. These guys are basically out on their own just doing it themselves until we came along and we started to help with the anniversaries, uh, raising money for the anniversaries, and now we've moved on to trying to protect the land that the men are still lying in. Uh, but they go on with the anniversaries. Um, now that Australia came and went for the 100th, uh, which is <laughs> typical, yes. uh, big occasion, move yeah. in, take over, get out. Get a bit of, yeah. uh, 101st, we didn't see anybody again. <laughs> so uh, this year's the 102nd, and... Uh, I've written to the Minister for Veterans Affairs with an invitation for him to come over for his opening of the park, so we'll be interested to see whether uh, we can get him there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're holding your breath. Uh, with us here in the studio on Wemma Gemma Cafe is Barry Gracie from the Pozier Remembrance Association, and uh, we're just going to wind it up now. Barry's going to go across to the Upway RSL and uh, probably have a drink for the men of Pozier. Barry, we'll wind it up. Thanks very much for coming in and appreciate your time and all your efforts uh, over the journey. So anything you want to tell the listeners out there? I just want to thank thank the listeners who are actually taking the time to listen to us this morning and ask them to uh, give some thought to the menopause year. Um, Look look them up. Um, Read read up on these guys, uh, the forgotten ones. I actually call them the other guys, uh, as in lest we forget the other guys. Uh, So, uh, but there's two things I would ask them to do for me. On Anzac Day, get yourself down to one of your local RSLs, you know, up by Belgrave's a a great one for the Anzac Day I spent there, and raise a glass in memory of my boys. And the other thing is uh, July the 23rd, do the same thing again. And if you get the opportunity, Write to your local member of parliament, tell them 7,000 men deserve to be have a day named after them and you want 23rd is line marked as a Pozier day. day. And if you'd like to know more about what we're doing, uh, our webpage is posierremembered.com.au uh, or just type it into Google, remember Pozier and you'll find us. And thanks very much for having me in, Chip. No worries. Thank you, Barry. Really appreciate your, again, all your efforts and uh, especially what you're doing over there for the men 
of Poissier on the, in the field of France 